Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Of all of the great wonders of the Christian faith, perhaps none exceed the Trinity. Our God is uniquely one, yet eternally three, triune. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit coexist and co-inhere from eternity to eternity, yet not as three gods working together, but as one God. This mysterious and marvelous reality is revealed in so many aspects and with so many implications throughout Scripture. But because men have sought through the ages to understand, comprehend, and explain this greatest of divine mysteries with mere human words and analogies, many errors concerning the truth have invaded the church over the centuries. Should we then avoid the subject altogether, or should we allow ourselves to be taught by the Spirit Himself concerning the very triune God in both our understanding and our experience. This was the Apostle John's clear word to us in his first epistle when he wrote, And as for you, the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone teach you. But as His anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and even as it has taught you, abide in Him. Ron Kangas is here for this fellowship today concerning, I would say, Ron, some of the intrinsic aspects of the Trinity. It's uh, quite a portion, isn't it? It is quite a portion, and by portion we mean particularly 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 through 27. And as you are reading verse 27, which ends by saying, as his anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and even as it has taught you, abide in him. Who is the him in verse 27? In the context of these verses of Mm -hmm. 20 through 27, uh, we have Jesus, who is the Christ. We have the Son. We have the Father. Then who is him? Is him Jesus, is him Christ, is him the Son, is him the Father. The reason I approach the matter this way is that him, that refers to the triune God, not just to the Son, not just to the Father, but to the triune God, especially in the aspect of the oneness of the divine trinity. Right. And now that I've just mentioned this matter of the oneness of the divine trinity, I would like to say something up front at the beginning. Although it's exceedingly difficult and ultimately impossible to speak with any thoroughness concerning the divine trinity, we have to say something. The revelation in the Bible is complete and it's balanced. And our understanding of the divine revelation and our teaching must also be balanced. Right. 
According to this principle of balance or of the twofoldness of the divine truth, there is one God, and this one unique, true, and living God, the only God, is triune in his very being. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. On the one hand, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are three, and as three, they are distinct, but not separate. On the other hand, the three, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, are one. That is why our God is called triune, three, one. If we fail to be balanced and emphasize the aspect of the three to the exclusion of the aspect of one, we will fall into the heresy of tritheism. On the other hand, if we overemphasize the aspect of the three being one, we will fall into the opposite heresy, and that is of modalism, which basically says God is one. He's unitary. And the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are not eternal, but are three temporary and successive manifestations of the being of this unitary God. We utterly repudiate tritheism as a heresy. We utterly repudiate modalism as a heresy. Our endeavor in seeking to be faithful to the divine revelation is to present the truth in a balanced way. We wish to make it very clear to our listeners as a preface to what will be emphasized in this program that we believe the divine revelation in the scriptures, that there is one true and living God eternally existing in his being as Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm. All three are God. All three are eternal. All three exist at the same time. And all three co-inhere. That is, they live in one another. We believe this, but we also believe with equal firmness in what the Bible emphasizes concerning the oneness of the Father, Son, and Spirit especially the oneness between the Father and the Son, and the oneness between Christ the Son and the Spirit. And this aspect is especially related to the believer's experience of Christ as life. And remember that this is a life study. We are studying the truth from the point of view of the experience of the eternal life and for the purpose of helping the believer's experience Christ as the eternal life. And so unashamedly, our emphasis is on the experiential side, on the economical side of the Trinity, on the subjective side, but we are no less balanced, and honestly and sincerely, I would say we are more balanced than many, if not most, emphasizing the one God being three, and the three being one. It's ultimately a divine mystery. But John, as we will see in chapter 2 of his first epistle, has a very particular way of speaking of Jesus, 
Christ, the Son, and the Father without any kind of aberrant tendency. And I cannot recommend highly enough the ministry that we'll receive in this particular program. And I hope my speaking is not in excess, but what has been in my heart has been to set the stage so there can be a fair hearing and a proper receiving of Brother Lee's ministry on this point from First John 2. Very important word that you've just given, Ron. It is a good backdrop for our program, both today and the one we will have, uh, Lord willing, on Monday. All right, our focus in this first portion today really is on the first four verses of chapter 2. I'll just read the first couple. Chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. And you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Here's Witness Lee. In these four verses, it doesn't say the ointment, but the anointing. This word, anointing, surely denotes something that is going on. Within us, the uh, regenerated people, something is going on. Anointing, not uh, a noun. Ointment, but anointing. Okay? In verse 20, you have anointing. In verse 21, you have the truth. You have the anointing in you. Now, I have written to you because you know the truth. So, truth here is very much related to the anointing. The anointing is just uh, the moving and the working of uh, the truth. Then you may say, what is the truth? Well, the truth is just the reality of the triune God. Firstly, you have the anointing, then you have the truth related to the anointing. Then you have that Jesus is the Christ related to the truth. Then, verse 22, this is Antichrist who is denying the Father and the Son. After Jesus being the Christ, then the talk turns to the Father and the Son. So, in these two verses, you have four items. Number one, anointing. Number two, truth. Number three, Jesus being the Christ. And number four, the Father and the Son. The anointing just is to tell you the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is just Jesus being the Christ. And Jesus being the Christ is the Father and the Son. Doesn't this tell you that the Father and the Son are related to Jesus being the Christ?
Ron, that portion was really, I think, a setup for what is to come ahead, and it really brings us to this second point that he made here, that historically John was dealing with a heresy that had pervaded the church, a heresy that confused or denied the fact that Jesus is the Christ. And so in verse 22, he writes, Who is the liar if not he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Where he's going with this is that to deny that Jesus is the Christ equals to deny both the Father and the Son. Help us again with a kind of a development so we can go further with this. The heresy is that of really denying the truth of the Incarnation, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was the confession made by Peter. In verse 22, the first denial, heretical, antichrist denial, is to deny that Jesus is the Christ. So the liar, and John calls him that, the liar is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Then John goes on to say, this liar who denies that Jesus is the Christ is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. The main point here is not liar, it's not Antichrist. It is this parallel construction. First, one denies that Jesus is the Christ. Whenever someone denies that Jesus is the Christ... He denies the Father and the Son. This clearly, I would say even obviously, indicates that Jesus being the Christ involves both the Father and the Son. Otherwise, denying that Jesus is the Christ would have nothing to do with denying the Father and the Son. So, where we're going, based upon what is in this verse, is that Jesus is the Christ, and that Jesus, being the Christ, involves the Father and the Son. And that these, remember, we're emphasizing the aspect of the oneness, these are not four. Are there four persons here? There's Jesus the Christ, the Father, and the Son? If that were the case, and it's not, but if that were the case, then denying that Jesus is the Christ would not affect the truth concerning the Father and the Son. But since denying that Jesus is the Christ equals denying both the Father and the Son, Jesus being the Christ must somehow intrinsically, divinely, mysteriously involve the Father and the Son. And to anticipate what is coming, this entails of necessity a marvelous oneness involving Jesus, the Christ, the Son, and the Father. Uh, To help us in this second portion, I want to add now verse 23, the next verse. This helps make it even more clear of this relationship in oneness between Jesus being the Christ concerning the Father and the Son. Everyone who denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who confesses the Son has the Father also. Here's Witness Lee for our final segment. I come back to this 
two verses. 21, you have the truth. And 22, Jesus being the Christ. No doubt that Jesus is the Christ. This is the truth. And this truth was denied at the end of the first century during Paul and John's time. Mainly, this was denied by a heretical teacher by the name Cerezus. He taught that Christ is absolutely separate and different from Jesus. He considered Jesus was merely a man by Mary and her husband, Joseph. Of course, this was a blasphemy to Lord Jesus. To see this is to deny the Lord's divine conception. You see, then John says, to deny that Jesus is Christ, this equals to deny the Father and the Son. My, you think about it. Jesus and Christ are surely one. Then if you deny this Christ being Jesus, this means you deny the Father and the Son. Doesn't this indicate the Father and the Son are one with Christ? You tell me, what other way to interpret this verse? I must admit, let me tell you, 55 years ago, if you told me this, I will fight you. <laughs> to say Jesus is Christ and Christ is Jesus, that's okay. You could only say that Christ is the Son. You cannot say that Christ is both the Father and the Son. But the strange thing is here, if you deny Christ, that means you deny both the Father and the Son. Amen. It should be that when you deny Christ, your denial has nothing to do with the Father. But here it says, when you deny Christ, you deny the Father. Then, verse 23, everyone who denies the Son does not have the Son. So strange John says here, anyone who denies the Son does not have the Father either. That means he doesn't have the Son nor the Father. And then this verse goes on to say, he who confesses the Son has the Father also. You confess the Son, you do not only have the Son alone. But you have the Father also. I tell you, this entire verse shows us that the Son and the Father are inseparable. You just cannot separate the Son from the Father, neither the Father from the Son. The two are one. It's a mystery. We don't understand. But the Bible, especially the New Testament, never teaches us that the Son and the Father are separate. No. And here in his epistle, John stressed strongly that they are really one.
Ron, as I was preparing for the program today, I confess I had to read and reread and re-reread very prayerfully this passage because it just didn't dawn on the natural thought that the degree of identification that exists here between the Father and the Son, it's striking, isn't it? It is striking, and I would like to pick up on Brother Lee's word, the Father and the Son are not separate. Please remember my opening remark, distinct. We're not modalists here, obliterating the distinction, but they are not separate. A helpful verse for reference is John 10.30. I and the Father are one, or we may translate I and the Father, two. We are one. The are one clearly indicates not separate. I and the Father clearly indicates distinction. Now, in verse 23, if there were separation between the Father and the Son, the verse should read, everyone who denies the Son does not have the Son. Right. The Father's not involved. The Father's separate. But it doesn't say that. It says, he who denies the Son does not have the Father either. This word either is crucial here, for it indicates by pointing to the fact that the Son and the Father are one to such an extent that to deny one, in this case the Son, means you do not have the Father either. You don't have either one. You cannot deny the Son and have the Father. Then the verse goes on, He who confesses the Son has the Father also. John does not say, He who confesses the Son, he has the Son, and only the Son, because the Son is separate from the Father. That is actually a veiled form of tritheism, three gods. You separate the Father and the Son, you've got two gods. You separate the Spirit, you have three. But to uphold the distinction is to uphold the oneness of the Godhead. John says, he who confesses the Son has the Father also. So in the first part of the verse, if you deny the Son, you don't have the Father either. In the second part, if you confess the Son, you have the Father also. This is based upon the truth concerning the oneness of the Son and the Father, especially in the divine economy, especially in the experience of the believers. We simply cannot have one person, now I'm using that traditional term, one person of the divine trinity and not have the other two. You either have all three as the three one God or you don't have any. If you deny the Son, you do not have the Father either. If you confess the Son, you have not only the Son, you have the Father also. Chris, it is so clear. If we would divest ourselves of religious biases and the influence of traditional theology and come to the pure word with a sober mind and a loving heart and a seeking spirit, we will be able to read and understand the revelation in these verses related to the oneness 
between the Father and the Son, and how this oneness is related to Jesus being the Christ. Praise the Lord for the truth, and praise the Lord for the clear interpretation, exposition, and presentation of the truth. We are surely blessed. Indeed we are, Brother Ron, and I uh, do encourage our listeners to join us Monday if at all possible. These are really uh, two sides of the quarter, the side we saw today, really emphasizing in such a marvelous way how the oneness is unveiled in this passage. On our next program, as I say, we will focus more on the distinction that exists eternally in the Godhead. But uh, for our experience, Ron, this is really marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. Amen. We also would encourage you to contact us to get the printed Life Study messages. This is one you can pour over again and again. And if you'd like to get that, call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. And do try to join us next week as we pick up this matter again from 1 John chapter 2. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Millions of Christians have been strengthened in their faith through the ministry of Watchman Nee. In a recent release by Living Stream Ministry entitled The Overcoming Life, Watchman Nee sounds a call to the believers to pursue the normal Christian life that is hidden with God in Christ. The Overcoming Life is filled with truth, reverberates with hope, and brings the reader to renewed consecration. The Overcoming Life by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.